0: The scripture this morning is Mark 11, verses 1 through 19. Please turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 19. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Greetings, HTC family and all who are hearing this message today. Pastor Arthur Jackson here in Kansas City with the privilege of worshiping with the HTC family today. Here's a question. What does a church, Holy Trinity Church or any church, emerging from an unplanned timeout? Isn't that what last year was, an unplanned, unscheduled, at least on the human scale, timeout? But what is it that those of us who are emerging from this unplanned time of the pandemic, what do we need to hear as we enter into Holy Week 2021, Passion Week? This very special week on the Christian calendar. Huh? I believe our text often referred to as the triumphal entry. Can help us answer the question. Huh? In our text, the Passover feast was at hand. This was the annual occasion uh, that recognized the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, Egyptian slavery. Those who applied the blood of an innocent lamb on their dope doorposts were the ones who escaped death, the judgment of death that God executed upon the Egyptians. Before the end of the week, here in our text and on in the other chapters of the gospel, Jesus would be slain. His life as the Lamb of God that uh, takes away the sin of the world uh, would end. Of course, we know later he would be resurrected from the dead. But Jesus was the ultimate Passover Lamb. But during this feast time, this special feast in the life of ancient Israel, songs would be sung. Meals would be shared. Roasted lambs would be eaten with bitter herbs, huh? Scripture would be read, particularly Psalms 113 to 118. Hearts and minds would reflect on the work of God past. And even with that reflection, there would be a growing longing for a similar kind of deliverance for God's people who at the time of our text were captives in their own land. As our text opened, Jesus and his entourage, having secured a donkey's coat, just as scripture had predicted, were making their way to the city, to Jerusalem, that is. Listen to what John 14, uh, 12 and 14 has to say about this incident. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Again, this had been predicted. Uh, Zechariah chapter 9 in particular, speaking about Israel's king and how he would come. Jesus here, he's making his way to his city, Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Hmm. He's making his way to his temple. Another way of saying it Jesus is going to church. What would he find in Jerusalem? Think about it, brothers and sisters. As the people of God, believers in Jesus, begin to gather then. What about today? We're starting to regather, are we not, in our day? And my question to you, to me, what will Jesus find as you and I begin to regather? As we begin to reassemble, as we begin to regather for worship, what will he find? Will he find a Jesus-friendly people? Huh? Will such gatherings be business as usual, have you and I learned anything from a pandemic of the last year, from the social and the political unrest, anything that will help us to understand, to advance God's kingdom work through Jesus? Have we learned anything about ourselves, huh? On the day Jesus went to church, what did he encounter in that day? The first thing that I want us to see from this text is that Jesus encountered crowd confusion. He found people who were challenged in their understanding of his identity and mission their understanding of his kingship. Jesus, when he entered that day, when Jesus went to church, he found a crowd with an agenda. What kind of agenda? It could be called a make Israel great again agenda. This was their desire. This was their sentiment. They saw Jesus, the mighty prophet, as a means to that end. During the time of Passover of that day, feelings of national pride and longings for freedom were very much in the air. They were prominent. And as in various times in Israel's past, different ones emerged as leaders, as defenders of the nation. Men like Judas Maccabeus, also known as Judah the Hammer, huh? uh, who had risen roughly 200 years before Jesus, the recapturing of Jerusalem and the cleansing of of the temple were the kinds of things that such leaders did, huh? Huh? So during the Passover season, there was this heightened time of nationalism and of patriotism. Not only were cloaks spread on the road when Jesus rode into the city. Others came with branches, and these branches, again, symbolic of Jewish nationalism and victory. Branches from the fields, huh? And so they spread them before him. Did you notice their chants in verses 9 and 10? Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This surround sound, as it were, as Jesus made his way into the city. This was not simply a random song, no, The song that they were singing was well selected. It was from Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. And it was a cry for salvation. It was a cry for deliverance. Save. Save now is the meaning of Hosanna. Thus the chants of the crowd should not surprise us, huh? There were those who had put their hopes in Jesus, the prophet, the teacher, the miracle worker from Nazareth. And such hopes had been expressed by the Emmaus road travelers we read in Luke 24, verses 20 and 21. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him, that's Jesus, up to be condemned to death and crucified him but listen to this but we had hope that he was the one to redeem israel yes and besides all this it is now the third day since these things happened we had hoped that he was the one to redeem israel huh there were those in jerusalem who were looking to rest, to wrestle power from the Roman overlords and make Israel great again. They were looking for autonomy and independence, and some saw Jesus as the one who would bring those things to pass. Jesus went to church. What did he encounter when he went to church? He he encountered people who wanted God's king to act in the interest of their national well-being. But that was not on Jesus' to-do list. His agenda was greater. It was larger. It was a God agenda for the world, if you will. Jesus was a humble king who entered in a humble manner. And listen to this, brothers and sisters. According to John 1836, his kingdom was not of this world. His servants were not those who took the sword. He was a different kind of king with a different kind of agenda huh but notice something else that we see in verses 12 through 14 huh? he challenged those who were confused but notice he cursed the fig tree because it was barren it was not fruitful huh did you notice Jesus, the following day, verse 12, he was hungry. Seeing in the distance of fig tree in leaf, he went to see it, if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from, from you again. And his disciples heard it. A hungry Jesus, as it were. Wanting to see fruit, desiring fruit. Uh, This fruitless fig tree represented Israel. And does not even today our Lord expect the fruits of righteousness from his people. Evidence from us. That we're in Jesus, and that Jesus is in us; that we indeed are abiding in the vine, just like the the vineyard vineyard of old that that Isaiah chapter five speaks of. Huh? Even here it says Isaiah five seven: for the vineyard of the Lord of Hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And listen to this. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. The Lord expects fruit, the fruits of righteousness from his people, kindness and love and justice, mercy and caring and sharing. Do you find your life barren? Bare? Hints of or notes of unforgiveness, un, being unloving. Are you praying for fruit that comes from our connectedness with Jesus and believing God for it? I trust that we are. Huh? We should be, because when Jesus comes to church, He looks for fruit. In the lives of his people. Huh? And, and brothers and sisters, even in a year like the one that we've come through, that should not stop the fruit bearing of the people of God. I was on a phone call this morning with a friend in Chicago, and he was telling me how he and another brother had partnered up and they were going to care for somebody who had been stricken with cancer, huh? uh, reaching out to them in love and in care. Huh? What if there is no fruit? What happens? What does our Lord do where there is a deficiency of those things that represent him well? Listen to what John the Baptist, earlier in the gospel, and this would be Matthew chapter three, what he said to Jewish leaders then. Bear fruit, he said, in keeping with repentance. And he went on, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down. And thrown into the fire. And here in our text, huh? On the other side of Jesus' ministry, the fig tree that symbolized the nation was largely barren, huh? And this was particularly so as it related to the leadership of the nations. And thus, Jesus, when he went to church, he did something strange. He cursed the victory. Wow. Those who were expected to bring forth. Wow. When you think about Someone going to church, we think about words of blessing, huh? the invitation of good. But here, Jesus invites through words of ill. Uh, he invited ill upon them. That's what cursing is, huh? Jesus doesn't want church folks, believers, confused about his identity. When he looks among God's people, he is looking for those who understand him and are in line with him. He's also looking for fruitfulness, not barrenness. What else did Jesus observe when he went to church? He saw people and a place in need of cleansing. And he, even there in that place, he did some house cleaning of his own, did he not? Why? And we see this in verses 15 through 19. Because he was up, uh, he observed profiteering in the place where there should have been. Prayer. Look there. Verse 15. As they came to Jerusalem, he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he would turn the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold uh, pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying, it is it not written. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it. A den of robbers, profiteering, not prayer, mercenary activity, not acts of mercies. Huh? One of the actions of ancient Israel uh, Israelite leaders was the reclamation, the reclaiming of the temple, which was the target. Of desecration by foreign invading powers, huh? Such was the case with the uh, s- second century B.C. Uh, Syrian leader Antiochus Epiphanes, huh? Who, in one uh, 32 B.C., desecrated the sacred place, and so would it be with Titus, the Roman general, in 70 A.D. after Jesus. The defilement of the temple this time in our text was not some foreign power. It was Israel's own leaders. They were the bad guys, if you will. The family of the high priest in that day profited well from their relationship with Rome. The system was broken. It was corrupt, huh? And Jesus went about the business of house cleaning, huh? What should have been happening? Prayer should have been offered, mercy should have been extending. But here, friends, judgment had begun in the house of God. With the leaders of God's people. It's quite interesting that Jesus' response on that day when he went to church not only included cursing and cleansing, it also included crying and weeping. Luke. Chapter 19, turn to it, if you will. Verses 41 through 44 notes the following. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, with it you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace Here he was, peacefully coming. But now they're hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your Visitation. If you would look earlier, Luke chapter 1 in Zechariah's song spoke about God visiting his people. And God had visited his people in person in and through his son Jesus, but they knew not the time of their visitation. Were they so blind? Did by their own desires, they that they had failed to see who he really was? And are we so blind, huh? Jeez, Luke's helps us to see the tears of Jesus in the midst of shouts. What was it that brought about the situation that caused Jesus weep? What caused Jesus to weep? Because their inability to see what they should have seen. Judgment was on the way that would leave the city and the temple in ruins. Because they did not know the time of their Visitation, huh? Are we blinded by our own desires that we can't see him? Or we refuse to see him? Don't miss him. hmm? Lord, help us not to miss you. Are we blinded by our traditions? Are we blinded by uh, less than accurate interpretations, huh? Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was not unlike what we see in westerns, that great genre of movie. A hero enters into the city. The sheriff in town is crooked, has the people in his grips. But eventually, there's a showdown. When Jesus... Entered Jerusalem when Jesus went to church, a week-long showdown began. And with the cleansing of the temple, Jesus, as it were, threw the first punch. Roughly 20 years before this time, Jesus came to the temple as a 12-year-old, huh? And there he astonished the religious leaders with answers to their questions. In our text, he's no longer an innocent preteen lad. Here in our text, he's a threat, he's a threat to their religious enterprise. He's God's king who is actually taking care of his father's business, huh? Jesus. Cursing and cleansing and correcting Christ. What does a church, Holy Trinity Church, any church emerging from an unplanned timeout need to be aware of? And Jesus comes to our churches. What will He see? What needs correction. We're not surprised, or should not be surprised, are we, that judgment begins at the house of God with those of us who are called by his name. Huh? First Peter 4.17 says that, for it is time for judgment to begin the household of God. And if it begins... With us. What will it will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? May we respond to Jesus' correction. Jesus is the King and the Lord of His church. Let's not be surprised if He challenges us and corrects us. And cleanses us and weeps over us. What may be causing him to weep that needs correction? Huh? Don't be surprised, friends, if Jesus disrupts our agendas. Our patterns, the way that we do things, if they are not in a card with his ways, huh? And here's something. May I encourage us to embrace the disruption of Jesus, huh? Embrace the disruption of Jesus even as we embrace God's king, his saving king, his just and righteous king, Even as we follow him faithfully in our world, embracing him, embracing his forgiveness. If you haven't done that, do it today. Embrace his forgiveness that he brings through the shedding of his blood, through his sacrifice for us. Embrace his forgiveness and then follow him. The one who has said, if anyone would follow me, what did he say? Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is not a king who can be co-opted uh, for our agendas, our personal or political agendas. Scripture calls him calls us to see Jesus as God's king and to honor him heartingly. Bow down before him. Love and adore him. Why? His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. All hail King Jesus. Look at him, behold him. All hail Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is God's King, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, bright morning star. And hear this throughout eternity, I'm going to praise Him. And forevermore, I shall reign with him. Shall we pray? Father, we love you. Thank you for helping us to see the day when you went to church and what you did. And, oh God, may we embrace all that you want to do in and through us and among us. You know what needs challenging and changing. Uh, may we embrace you and all that you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.